Hey Journey, how's it going? So great to see all of you today. I'm coming at you from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, of all places in the world. I had a Christian World Adoption Board of Directors meeting on Monday. CWA, Christian World Adoption, is our adoption ministry partner. We adopted our three kids through them. Fantastic organization, and what a privilege it was to be invited by them to help them lead and think about the future of the organization. Fun to be a part of that. While I'm here, I'm also hanging out at Seacoast Church. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting in their auditorium right now. I've been sitting at the feet of some pastors and leaders from around here. God is doing amazing work at Seacoast. They're one of the first multi-site campuses in the country, multi-site churches in the country, and they're doing a fantastic job. They've got 13 campuses up and down the southeastern coast, and fun, fun to be a part of what God's doing around here. Talk specifically this week about my time, message preparation, creativity, use of arts, spiritual formation, much, much good stuff to bring back and sort of set in motion around our outfit. It will be particularly good to get back because it is so blooming hot here. Humidity so thick you could cut it with a knife. We start our cars in Montana to warm them up when it's cold here. You start them so that they cool down so you're not burning your hand on the steering wheel. So I'm coming home soon and very excited to be doing that, though my time here has been absolutely fantastic. I want you to know that, too. Chris Townley's going to share with us this weekend, and Chris is such a gift to our church, to our student ministry department. You know, I'm a youth pastor by training. That's what I was. That's, frankly, what I still am. I'm a youth pastor at heart, and so to have a guy like Chris released in our congregation, loving students, teaching students, shepherding students, pointing students to Jesus Christ, couldn't be more thrilled than to have Chris. He's also accompanied by his delightful wife, Kate, in ministry, who's also on our staff, serves in a variety of ways, mostly as the other half of Chris's brain, really. So Chris is going to talk at us this weekend, and Chris and Kate just got back from leading a team to... Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, where they served at our partner on the ground there, Bright Hope School. And so Chris is going to share with us some of what God opened his eyes to on that trip, awakened his heart to. And so give him your very best attention. Chris is a gem. Chris, can't wait to hear from you. Have a whole lot of fun, and I'll see you real soon. Welcome, Chris, to the stage, if you would. It's good to see that, that Brian is still long-winded after being away for a while. I was wondering if he was ever going to get to it, but he did. Uh, just so you know, I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to be here this morning, and it's exciting to, to be able to stand in front of you guys and share. Uh, as Brian mentioned, uh, Kate and I just got back from Ethiopia a little over a week ago. Right? So we were there serving with our Ethiopia Hope work team. And that's going to be important to you for a couple reasons. But first, that's also my excuse for wearing a t-shirt. Right? I usually try and find some way to remain casual when I'm up here. And so we've got these beautiful shirts that were designed to help fund what we're doing in Ethiopia. Uh, they're actually available out in the lobby even. All right, so go ahead and check that out. But this, this whole idea of me being in Ethiopia about a week ago, like I said, is important to you for a couple reasons. The first one being that... It means my heart is still a bit of a mess. I'm still a little messed up. And as I stand here right now even and converse with you, I'm still trying to process everything that I experienced, saw, felt, learned 
all of that is still very fresh in my life. And you could say that part of me maybe has even yet to return from Ethiopia and join me here. So if you could bear with me in that. It's also important for another reason, uh, because what, every, what I'm going to share with you today is really fresh. It's what I'm experiencing. It's what I'm going through in my life. And so you're kind of going to get roped in to processing that with me. It'll be great because we can all work through having our hearts broken by God together. So I guess you didn't know you signed up for that today, but here you are. And with that said, <clears throat> I want to explain and kind of bring you up to speed on what we're doing and why we're in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Right? We, as in Journey Church, as in you, you all, we're partnering with Children's Hope International, and we're serving a school there called Bright Hope School. And what we've been doing is we've been raising funds to help them build a well, to help them get chicken coops, chickens, chicken feeds, uh, garden, that kind of thing. And then the, the, the last thing we're doing is helping them build a wall around their school compound in order to, to protect all these things. And so the wall is why we were there this time around, to help them build that wall. And, and we had big dreams for, for when we were going to get there and build this wall, that it was going to get finished. And we came, came to find out it's a little bit slower process than we originally imagined. Like if you take that wall there to that wall, that's about as much as we finished in a foundation about this, ha- this high in the, the two weeks we were there. Right? It, it's actually 2002 in Ethiopia. Their, their calendar is really 2002. I'm not joking. And, but they, they work as if it's like 1700 with some of the things that we use. So it didn't quite go at the pace we had hoped. But we're making progress and that's why we're going to be going again in October. So maybe that's something you want to get around and join us on that trip. Right, that's the short version of what we're doing there. If you want more, then come and see me and we'll talk about it. But while we were there at Bright Hope School, we had the unique opportunity to, to interact with literally all 2,200 of the Bright Hope students. Right, this is what would happen. You would walk in to the school compound and you would walk right by this, this five-story uh, school building with their classrooms in it right in the middle of their, their little mini campus, right? And as soon as we would enter into that, that, that area, it was like a beehive, right? It was like someone hit the, hit the schoolhouse with a stick and here come the students, right? And within minutes, each one of us would be surrounded by 15, you know, 20, 30, I don't know, as many students as you can imagine around each one of us separately and they would start asking us questions, right? They, they would ask us to sing and they would ask us to dance and, and literally they would and not many of us would actually grant that request, but they would also ask us our names, and they would ask us how we were doing. Essentially, each one of these students would exhaust their English vocabulary one by one to us, and we would respond with the same answers each time, right? And so out of these interactions, there, there's one in particular that really tells the story of why we're sending teams to Ethiopia, and, and fortunately for me, it's also the foundation of what I want to share with you today. So this story has a couple meetings. And so while we were there, my good friend Kim, who was on this trip with us, Kim was affectionately labeled the grandma of the trip. And she kind of watched over us, and she just had this, this way with the kids, right? They, they loved her. And so she was one day in the middle of a swarm of them, right? A, a swarm of students, because that's really what they were swarming around you at all times. And, and one little girl, probably no older than, than 10, said to her, why are you here? Why are you here? And she, she replied, well, we're here to help you build this wall around your school. And so 
the little girl understood that and then said, well, how much are you charging us? Right, and Kim kind of just taken aback a little bit, stood there for a second and and she got to explain in, in sweet Kim fashion that, that we were there not for any other reason than because we love them. We care about them. We want to help them. Right? And, and these students that she was talking to were blown away by that. And they, was, they were, whoa, that's, that's crazy. And they were endlessly thankful. Word must have spread throughout the school that we were there because we loved them. And throughout our time at the school, they, they would come up to us continually and say, thank you for being here. We love you for helping us, right? And that's what love is all about, right? It's about that, that self-sacrifice. And obviously, Jesus is our ultimate model of self-sacrificing love, right? But before I actually start just throwing around the word love, which I will throw around today, by the way, I want to make sure we're all on the same page which, with, with, which, which, whew, with what kind of love I'm talking about. Right? And so I'm not talking about my love for, say, tacos or the Boston Celtics. Right? Like, I, I could preach a sermon to you on the Boston Celtics, but that's not why we're here. Right? It, it goes deeper than that, thank goodness. Right? And so I'm going to be talking about one of the words that the Greeks use for love, which is agape love. And essentially, like I said, this type of love is characterized by self sacrifice. Right? It's not about an emotion. It's not about liking this or that, right? It runs much deeper than that. And so if you would, turn with me to to 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to be reading through the first three verses. This is the love chapter of the Bible, right? But I'm not going to be getting to the love is patient, love is kind, that you can go there in your own time. I'm just hitting the first three verses, and whenever you hear the word love, think self-sacrifice. So you can follow along in your Bible. It'll be on the screens. It's on your note page. Whatever you want to do to follow along, this is what it says. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Paul is telling us it doesn't matter what we do. Because if we do it without love, it means absolutely nothing. Right? It doesn't matter how amazing it may be. If it isn't founded in love, it is utterly meaningless. Right? We, we could even turn this into an equation. If you were here with us last week... Uh, our friend Bob Schwan, he, he shared an equation with us, and he got his degree as an engineer. And it's this complex equation that I'm still trying to solve and I don't understand, right? But, see, I got my degree in elementary education. And so I've given us a simple equation that we should all be able to understand. And, and it's this, right? Life minus love equals zero. Right? We can, we can all wrap our minds around that, life minus love equals zero, right? And we were nothing if our actions don't have love, right? We're, it's nothing, it's meaningless, it's, it's zero. And, and to take it one step further, like the, the impact of our love, right? The, the world will not be changed because of what we believe, but rather by how we behave. We can't say that we believe in the gospel 
which is founded on self-sacrificing love if it doesn't change our behavior. Let me say that again. The world will not be changed because of what we believe, but rather how we behave. We can't say that we believe in the gospel if it doesn't, doesn't in fact impact our behavior. We must behave in love. Right? And, it, and it's unfortunate, in my opinion, but often in the, the church world today, and that's, that's my world and in your world and the way we see things, right? There, there's this tendency to put the most important thing on how others perceive our walk with Christ, how others perceive our walk with Jesus. It's almost as if sometimes we're saying, if you can fake it, then you can make it. Right? And that's, that's no way to live. Essentially, that's just a noisy gong or a, a clanging cymbal. Right? And I want to take you through three things that I've experienced in my own short life where I find myself living as a, a clanging cymbal or a, a noisy gong, if you will. Just so you know, right, we've got the gong show here. My gong fell through. It, it didn't show up, and so we've turned it into the cymbal show. I hope that is okay with you, right? It, it's still straight out of 1 Corinthians 13.1, right? Clanging cymbal is just as good as a noisy gong, so I hope you can bear with me as I have a cymbal instead. And that this first, this first thing that, that I find myself living as a clanging cymbal, you might be able to relate to. You actually may have uttered these very words before, and these words are, I'll pray for you. I love that, just so you know. I'll pray for you. So play out this scenario in your head. You're you're in this conversation with someone, and then they say that that they're struggling with this or that, or they say, I'm about to go on this trip with my family, or they say, I'm really struggling with this, this decision. And in the the midst of that conversation, in our most compassionate voice, we say, I'll pray for you. Right? I'll pray for you. And yes, there are instances when we are very sincere and we pray very diligently. But I would also say that there are instances where we're very sincere and we don't pray at all. And then I would also say that there are instances when we weren't very sincere in the first place, we were just trying to find an exit strategy out of that conversation, right? And, and I believe that this is representative of us offering prayer, which is the action without love as the foundation, right? It, it, it's just, it's words. And, and love is self-sacrifice, right? Love is self-sacrifice like we talked about but, but saying we're going to sacrifice something is not necessarily love, right? We have to check our intentions so we aren't offering nothing, right? The second one, this might also sound familiar to you. It's also fairly casual, and it goes like this. Hey, you should really check out this church that I go to. I sometimes refer to this in my own life as the half-hearted invitation. Right? Hey, you should check it out. Well, maybe, right? Like, like we, don't, we don't think much of our words sometimes. Hey, you should check it out. And so as I was reflecting on this symbol trait in my life, remember these are my experiences. I'm hoping you can relate to what I've done in my life. 
right? As I was reflecting on that, I started to think about 1 John 3, 16 through 19, that essentially is talking about love, loving people with a, a real love. And so if you want, you can follow along in 1 John 3, 16 through 19, where it says this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we will be confident when we stand before God. When I read that, I'm convicted by the words that say, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Right? Self-sacrificing love, the kind of love that Jesus gave up his life for us for, is the same kind of love that, that we must emulate when we invite others to church. We must not invite them because we're supposed to. Right? That means nothing. Like who would want to come to church and sit next to one of these? Right? They might have actually even missed the invitation over the ringing sound of the symbol. We don't want to be that. We must invite them because we love them so much that we want them to experience the love of Jesus in our community, in our church. Right? We want them to experience the type of love that will change their life just as it's changed ours. So do we invite others to join us on the weekend because we love them with the same love that Jesus loves with? Because we care about where they'll spend eternity? Or do we invite them just because that's what a good Christian does? Right? Let's not be a clanging cymbal. Let's not be the noisy gong. And then there's the third way that I found myself living as this clanging cymbal, and it actually goes a little bit deeper than fake prayer promises or half-hearted invitations. I were gradually getting a little deeper in it. It really hit me once I stepped foot in Ethiopia. Again, this might sound familiar to you. You may have even said this, right? I care about those in need. And here's what I faced when I got to Ethiopia. What do I do when hungry, dirty children come up to the window of my van looking for food or money? What do I do when I walk into a home that is 10 feet by 10 feet housing over 22 people? And on top of that, during the rainy season, their dark, tiny floor becomes flooded, right? Their dirt floor is flooded, their tin roof is leaking, and they have to live in that. Do I care about them? How do I care about them? Or how about the, the 65 neediest children that, that a church near Bright Hope School picked out so that they could feed them one meal a day during lunch, which would end up being their only meal during the day? How do, how do I care about them? Right? And it was these 65 children, mostly orphans, that really grabbed my heart. Right? We had the unique opportunity of getting to spend lunch with them every day while we were working at the school. And it was in this moment, it was in these times with them that I began to understand 
the expression of self-sacrificing love. You see, each day our team, we, we would get done working for lunch. The workers would get done before the students and we would go have lunch and then we would walk over to the church with all the kids, right? And they, they have these turquoise uniforms and so they would all wait for us and we would just be this turquoise army, right? With one, one white person surrounded by, you know, 40 turquoise clad kids walking with us, right? Because they just wanted to be touched. They wanted to talk, right? Our, our mother church, Harvest, they sent a team over in November. And it was the first time in some 40 years that, it, that an American had even been to this district of Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, right? They just wanted to be a part of us. So we would walk and we would, we would each teach each other English and Amharic, and we would do vocab lessons back and forth as we walked quite an amazing experience. And then we would get to this church, right? And then this church was really just a tent with, with some benches in it. And when we would get there, the first thing we would get to do, we would pour water so the, the kids could wash their hands, right? They'd clean their hands and then, then they'd walk in to the church. And once they got there, we would, we would bring them their, their lunch, their meal. We would get to serve them their meal and we would fill up their little cups with water so they would have some water to drink as well. Right, and after everyone had been served, these kids, they, they would invite us to come and sit with them on these benches. They just, they just wanted to talk. They wanted to, to hang out. They wanted us to, to feel welcome, and then they wanted interaction. Right? And once they, they found out that I was a youth pastor, they continually asked me to tell them Bible stories. Right? I was like, well, what do you want to hear? Like, I don't even get that here. I was like, do I know Bible stories anymore, right? And, and so we started sharing Bible stories and, and that kind of thing as we just sat there in broken English and broken Amharic back and forth. But the thing that stood out the most as we're, we're sharing this time together, these students, without fail, I would say almost every single one of them would offer us their lunch. Their one meal of that day, they would offer us Multiple, multiple kids offering us their one meal for the day. They wanted us to share that with them. And that right there is a picture of genuine love. That is a picture of the love that Jesus calls us to. Right, that is the essence of a sacrificial love. And it absolutely floored me. It floored me, right? And when, when I was experiencing this in that moment, I started to, to realize that, that it's possible for me to know God's word, to know what the Bible says and not obey God's word. It's possible for me to know it and not obey it because action, right, without love is just disobedience. It's nothing, it's meaningless, and Jesus is the, the ultimate example of action founded in love. And this, this clanging symbol or the noisy gong remains perfectly silent. When we live out our lives with the same example that Jesus gave us when, when he gave up his life for us. Right? We too must give up our lives for his sake. And honestly, that is not an easy choice. That is not easy. Right? Because the thing is, you and I, we can't just flip a switch and love somebody. Right? We can't willpower ourselves to love somebody more. I'm going to love those people. We can't just make ourselves do it. Right? It has to be an overflow 
from our relationship with God because that's where love comes from. It has to be in response right, to the love that Jesus has already shown us, the truth that Jesus, in our, in our own depravity, he moved us from death to life. It has to be in response to a love as amazing as that. Right? And I can't paint a better picture of this love than the word of God. Right? Big surprise. I don't know how to say things better than God. So we're just going to look at what God says in 1 John 4, 7 through 12. And, and as I read these words, my hope would be that, that you hold them as close to your heart as I've been holding them lately. It says this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. You and I are to be the full expression of God's love. Right? Since God loved you and me enough to let his son die for us, then surely we ought to love each other. Right? Because when we love with such a self-sacrificing love, God lives in us. You don't have to manufacture love because God's love is already in you. Right? When you're wondering you know, what, what decision to make, what choice to make, or when you're, you're going over the, this arduous task of determining God's will for your life, what do I do now? Well, just choose love. Just choose love. It's, it's always the answer, right? Choose what will bring the most good to the kingdom of God through God's love in you. Choose that. Because love is always the answer, and without it, you and I are nothing. It doesn't matter. Because just like it says later in 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. It never fails. And just imagine, imagine with me if all of us chose to love like this. Right, it would not matter if we had this ministry or that ministry. It would not matter if we signed up to serve here or serve there. Right? Instead, our lives would constantly be a culmination of God's love. Imagine that ministry if we lived that way. Right? Simply loving others with a love that puts ourselves second, that sacrifices. Right? Imagine if this love that we're talking about was the foundation for saying, I'll pray for you. And maybe instead of just saying it, you would stop right there and pray for them. Imagine if it was the foundation of inviting other people to join us on the weekend. Imagine if it was the foundation of caring for those in need, whether that's right here in the Gallatin Valley or whether that's across the ocean in Ethiopia. Imagine what that would look like if we loved like Jesus loved, and then just left the rest up to him. And I say, let's, let's put away the clanging cymbal. Let's put away the noisy gong. 
and strive to make our lives look like the one who showed us what love is all about. Like the ultimate image of a love that sacrifices. So my hope is that today begins the conversation, begins the transformation, begins the process of all of us moving from nothing to something. Right, and letting ourselves actually be moved by the love of Jesus. That's what's gonna take us from nothing to something. So if, if you would right now, just put your things aside. Find a, find a posture of prayer, maybe with your, your head bowed and your eyes closed and, and spend this time assessing how you've been loving in your own life. Use this time to look at the motives behind your actions. Thank God for showing you what real love looks like and ask him to help you imitate it. Use this time with him now. And while you're taking this time with God, I'd just like to read to you 1 John 4, 7 through 12 for us again. It says this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And if you're here today and and you haven't taken God up on the offer to live in relationship with him, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. And maybe you're feeling something inside of you. As you're thinking about that, I just want you to remember the words from 1 John. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That was for you. He loves you that much. So if you're here today and that's you and you're ready to commit your life to following after Jesus, just pray this prayer with me in the quiet of your own heart. It'll go something like this. God, I'm ready to live and love like you. I don't want my life to be a noisy gong. I don't want it to be nothing. I believe in you and I surrender my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross as a sacrifice to take away my sin. Please forgive me for that sin and make me new today. I need you in my life, God. Today I give you all of me and I give you control. God, thank you for loving me. And if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want you to know that that is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. And it's so important that around here at Journey, we ask that that you share that with us. Now, now no one will embarrass you and and our eyes are still closed and our heads are still bowed. But if that was you, would you be so bold as to to make eye contact with me and lift up your hands so that that I can celebrate that with you so that we can celebrate that with you. If that was you, you can do that now. Yeah, 
I see you. God's changing you. God's changing you. Yeah, I see you. I see you too. Yep, right there too. In front here. God's changing you. In the back there. Yep, I see you guys. Yeah, let God change you now. I wouldn't want to miss anybody. God, we just thank you so much for showing us what real love looks like. I pray that we would walk out of here today challenged and changed by that love. I pray that we would move away from being a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong and instead we would be committed to self-sacrificial love like you've shown us, God. I pray that it would move us to action and that we would not be nothing, but we would be something in you, Jesus. We love you and in your name we pray.